Well, I was trying. I was praying about what to uh, what to talk about today, and I I have been confronted all week with one question, and it's one thing after another, constant. It's either something going on medically, something going on financially, something going on at school. There is a constant barrage of things from every direction. None of us are immune. Uh, we, we put up a good front. We say, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good too. Hush, I kiss, kiss, whatever. We move on. But in our minds, again, this is that, that constant component of our insides comparing ourselves with others' outsides. So we know what's going on in our own heart. And then we look at other people and we say, well, why am I not that way? Why, why are things not going that way for me? When we really don't know the whole story most of the time. We just need to make that assumption. So I have one big, loaded, fat, ugly question. Are you happy? Are you happy? You know, most of us, most of the time, that is a difficult question to answer. It is complicated, even though it's simple. Are you happy? Well, how many times have we said, oh, I'll be happy when it's over? Is that not the ultimate oxymoron? <laughs> you know, when you say, oh, God, when it's done, I'm happy. Well, we, we, will, we will endure we, when the trial's over, when it's finished. <laughs> no, you're not happy. You're exhausted at that point. You're just glad it's done. But that's not happy. Are you happy? Do you know what happy is? Well, there's a difference between that moment-by-moment -moment feeling of happiness and how we actually describe our lives. Sometimes we say, I'm blessed. And that's a nice cover word for, man, is it complicated? God's taking care of it. <laughs> but there is that difference. We, we've somehow mixed up happiness. We, we look at the world of happy, and, and I've worked in, in television and advertising for two decades now, and, and we are all about figuring out how to give you the illusion of happy. How many of those drugs that say, I'm going to grow hair or whatnot, and at the bottom Cause you to die. Somebody has to. <laughs> I mean, have, have you heard that guy? 20, he, and there's a, there is actually a, a thing when you make a commercial when you have to do what's called a disclaimer. The guy has to say it in a certain amount of time, right? And it has to be small enough that it doesn't distract from the message, but large enough for you to read. So, have you ever noticed it's on the bottom? Well, it, it's because legally they have to tell you. That's disclosure. But the big stuff, the shiny, the elephant walking down, not sitting on someone's chest. Oh, look, the elephant's walking with her. Meanwhile, at the bottom, you know, at any point, you could just catastrophically. Right? You get what I'm saying? So happiness, that moment by moment, and how we actually describe our lives is really often two very different things. The definition of happiness, well, that's the state of well, you know, Webster's really good at this stuff. He can put it in a nutshell. A state of well-being, a pleasurable or satisfying experience. Okay, check. Then I started thinking about, what is the definition of rejoice? Well, the root word of rejoice is joy. Well, and that's to feel great delight, to welcome or to be glad. Well, depending on the translation, the Bible uses the word happy and happiness about 30 times, while it uses joy and rejoice over 300 times. So what, why is joy different from happiness? 
I mean, I'm telling you, I'm learning right along with you as I'm reading all this stuff this week. I'm like, holy moly, it, it is complicated. All right? Well, joy comes from the, the Greek word tara, which I probably said that wrong, but you get what I'm saying, uh, which means to be exceedingly glad. Okay? I, I would like to be exceedingly glad, so why isn't exceedingly glad and happiness all the same thing? All right? Consider it all joy, James 1, 2. My brothers, when you encounter various trials, say, what? Now you're telling me that I'm joy and trial go together. All right, so I want to be happy. I want to be exceedingly glad. The only way to get exceedingly glad is I got to go through trials. All right, now I'm starting to talk myself out of the first question. All right? James, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Okay, that all sounds like a really happy, wonderful, warm, fuzzy scripture. But when I hear the word endurance... Am I not back to that part of happiness where we say, whew, we'll be happy it was over. <laughs> Endurance, that, the, that everlasting presence, that, that need to press on to go through. Uh, when, you, when you run a race, you'll hear runners talk about, they'll, they'll hit this wall where they have to press through. They feel like they can't breathe. They don't want to go. You've got to hurry up. All that's, well, for me, that's about 12 feet. But for them, <laughs> there, there's something going on. But the deep abiding joy comes as we persevere through trials with God's help. He strengthens us and matures our faith. As we draw closer to God, we become exceedingly glad. But as the trial changed, know that we're enduring those. Has he defined glad as happy? No, because happy is fleeting. The joy of the Lord will renew your strength. Joy lasts. That weird part of you that says, I don't know what's wrong with me, but for some reason I feel like everything's going to be okay. But the trial is still going. The hurricane winds are blowing outside. The shutters are rattling. The pine cones are dropping on the roof. You get what I'm saying? There's stuff going on, but there's something inside of you going, it's going to be all right. We're going to be okay. We're going to make it. So happiness is fleeting. It's a hard to control. It's an illusion that can steal your joy and your assumptions with all these assumptions. It's comparing our insides to others' outsides. It wants to rob you of the joy of the Lord, which is strength. We think joy is... <laughs> no, joy is subjectivity. That, that part of you that says, I can keep going. I can do this. I'm breathing in and out. I'm moving forward. It's okay. That joy of the Lord, that is strength, is less chuckle and more determination. We've kind of got it mixed up somewhere where we think joy is just laughter. And that happiness and joy all tie together in this really nice bow. But now we don't really know what happiness is. Because 30 times we talk about happiness, but 300 times we talk about joy. I venture to say we need more joy that is our strength, that, that is his strength in our lives, than we need giggle happiness. Amen. Not that I'm, I'm against a good laugh. Don't get me wrong. I could go for that all day long. But, but I'm just realizing just as life navigational pull, there is one crisis right after the other. How many times have we all said, if it isn't one thing, there's another? Well, here comes number two. Where's three? I mean, I've heard that stuff all my life. Here we go. There is a difference. 
Many factors influence how we feel on a day-to-day -day basis, whether it's a struggle at work, it's an issue in our personal lives, and most of them impact how we feel. Feelings can lie. I feel like you're mad at me. I feel like you may not like this. I feel, feelings can lie. Because again, your inside has looked at somebody's outside and you've made that connection and said, hey, it doesn't match up. Now I'm irritated, angry, mad. I feel uncertain. A strange fact. Scientific research has discovered happiness, to some extent, is a choice. So why does it sometimes feel so hard to choose? It's simple as going, hey, I'm happy. Choose. <laughs> okay, peachy, see y'all later. Go and go have a good day. It is hard. Why is it so hard? Well, it turns out that we may not even know the symptoms of happiness. Because remember, joy and happiness are different. Did you know that you could be happy and not know it? He said, what? <laughs> no, I didn't fall off the truck in my head. There's a reason for all that. So I found it funny that all these scientists went into all these things and they said, had things that were symptoms of happy. People who are happy may not know it, exhibit these behaviors. Whether it's paying someone a compliment or performing a random act of kindness, when you're happy, you want to be, you want others to be happy too. Basically, you like to help other people. You like to do something for someone else. If somebody's in the front of you in the grocery store and they're a buck short and you hand them one, uh, that is a symptom of happiness. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> joyful all the time. I'm singing down the road. I don't get mad when anyone cuts me off. I don't get irritated when we miss the school bus. I don't get mad when we can't find the other shoe. No, no, no. There are some really basic, basic. If you don't mind helping someone else, oh my God, deep inside you may be a little happy. <laughs> Another symptom of happy. If you don't sweat the small stuff when you spill your coffee, which in my house, that's a major deal. You spill your coffee, you drop an egg in the kitchen, it doesn't matter what it is. Focusing on what's important and not obsessing over the minor annoyances is a sign you might be in a good place, you might be happy. Now keep in mind, I, I go in and out of this one, okay? If you appreciate the little things, hearing that favorite song on the radio or, or being outside and hearing a few birds or, or you notice the little things and you're grateful for them, you might be happy. <laughs> there may be deep inside you that part of you that says, oh my gosh, a hummingbird? What a, what a beautiful symbol of God's grace and presence on a daily basis that its wings have to flap 50 bazillion times and it's got to go from flower to flower or it'll drop on the ground, but God sustains it every day. But if you can see beauty in a snowflake, if you say, if you look like me at the tunnel and there's the sign and there's no traffic, that's all little, that's like a flower in a field right there. You know? If you can find happiness in those little things, if you feel something that you might be happy, this is scientist now, all right? 
if you've gotten your affluenza shot. Not influenza, affluenza shot. Happy people know that money can't buy happiness. No one showed up, you know? You know, that, that ending scene of the casket in the, in the palatial estate and no one there to care. Can't buy happiness. We'd all love the challenge. I mean, that's some scientific research I could invest myself in to see if I could come up with. But, but at the end of the day, short of that relationship with Jesus, short of understanding that, that there is so much more to life than the tangible, the, the, the epiphany, that when you go in the box, there's a reason it's limited in size. There's stuff that doesn't go. DePaul University study revealed that if you smile for the camera, there's a good chance that you have a positive disposition and, well, you tend to be happy. Are you one of those people where everybody has to, I have to do it at my house. Smile! <laughs> Look happy, act like you like each other. <laughs> because we're all so stressed out. And then you're and you get in front of the tree and you're going to take the picture and you're Woo! Please, really? <laughs> but if you're having those selfie moments or just the normal and you smile and you're willing to invest a moment in a smile, you might be happy. Somewhere deep inside, the happy and perfect are not the same. Life is not perfect. Uh, all, all, the, all the test results aren't in on your medical report. All, all the finances aren't paid off. The house isn't perfect. The yard isn't clean. The weeds aren't packed and my lights aren't on the gutter. But there could be somewhere deep inside, despite the litany, the long list of things that are not quite right, a seed. Happy. All right. Okay. <laughs> Did you even know I bet you didn't even know that you had some of the symptoms of happy, did you? Do any of you have those symptoms? Do we need to get you checked? All yeah, all right. <laughs> and if for some reason you may not have realized that those were just these hidden symptoms of happy, don't worry, there's a good reason why. Well, uh, you're not satisfied. <laughs> 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 Anybody know that person? <laughs> uh, yeah, let me tell you. Now, I mean, this is like reality TV to the max. They, they have the palatial estates. They, they go to all the, the plastic surgeons. Everything is perfect. You know, somehow a nail gets broke in the Mercedes door, and, and it's a 30-minute episode. But all that. And what do they do? And I, this is what, what I love people when they get caught up in reality television, it's funny to watch. Sometimes it's stressful because you know people that are similar, but they have everything and fight like they have nothing. It's constant, argue, bicker, something. They've got to make drama. But at the end of it, not satisfied. They're not satisfied. And so as we're looking at ourselves and we're trying to diagnose, do I have any symptoms of happy? Okay, I've established that joy takes trial. 
Uh, I really like a little bit of the happy at the same time. Um, I'm not satisfied. What am I going to do about that? Well, that's this guy right here. Do you no, no one, uh, do people really understand me or know how to satisfy me? And most of us get really cantankerous on that particular question and we'll say no. How many times have we say, you just don't understand? You don't understand me. You don't get what's going on with me. You don't, you don't, you don't know what, what it is that I need. You, you don't understand all that's going on and how to help me. I mean, we really get stuck. We get stuck on that sometimes where we really want to convince others exactly how difficult our lives are. And we become, there's an unsatiable part of, that, of us that says, you know, there are things I need, I want, I wish I had, and none of them are coming together, so now I'm mad at you for it. Do you even know when you are satisfied? Do you know? What is satisfaction? There's a thing I teach when I teach in different businesses and stuff that has been a part of, I learned it, I paid a lot of money to learn it in school years ago. That's where I learned that alumni is Latin for debt. <laughs> the condition of satisfaction. Okay, what is your condition of satisfaction, the business professor would say? And you think to yourself, oh my gosh, it's pretty intense. Well, a condition of satisfaction helps you kind of reevaluate this. Is this what you expect of yourself? Is the sun and the moon somehow set in your hands? Mm -hmm. Are you in control of all things? If you don't do it, it'll never get done. If you want it done right, do it yourself. How many of those have we fallen for? Wow, if your condition of satisfaction is really based all on you and everything you can do and what you can accomplish, and if I don't do it, no one will. <laughs> then you've really put yourself in, in a really powerful position, and I'd like to talk to you about raising the sun a little earlier because it's dark at 5 o'clock. But a condition of satisfaction. Now, if I can help you guys understand this concept, it can change the way you talk to each other, it can change what you do at work, it can revolutionize the way you communicate on date night. It's a really powerful, simple concept. But conditional satisfaction is a very specific, measurable condition. The answer to the question, what will make you happy? A condition of satisfaction is specific, it's measurable, it's attainable, it's realistic, it's time bound. Notice none of those are emotional things. It's not selfish. It will empower the people in your life to stop assuming what's going to make you happy. All right. This is the map of Bush Gardens. This is my explanation of how this works. Okay? <laughs> Nicholas and four friends are in my car. Right? Now, we've already got the complexity of the expense of it going to Bush Gardens. Right? Okay? Now, I remember as a kid... It was a blessing to go to King's Dominion. That was a big deal. Drive up the road. There was no season's pass. It was drive up the road. You have a picnic basket in the trunk because a $7 hot dog was ridiculous then and is now. So now, so in the, in the economics of taking the family, you'd go, but, but we didn't use the COS factor. What we used is the expense factor. This ticket is expensive. We're getting there at 7 a.m. We're going in the gate. We're going to hit this. We're going to go there. We're gonna, I felt like I was in that, that new rock, new movie. We're going to get there. We're going to go take off. <laughs> so, and, and we're not leaving until the gate's closed. Because we're getting our money's worth. We had assumed that the cost of the ticket and the value of the experience somehow went together. 
and that the time you stayed equaled value. How many of you know somewhere around 3 o'clock it became argument? <laughs> right? Right? I don't want to be here. I'm tired. I'm hot. I'm thirsty. I don't want to walk to the car. It's too far. All right? Am I the only one that had experienced these things? All right? So uh, all of a sudden, there came a point where uh, King's Dominion wasn't a happy place anymore. And by the time you got in the car and you began to road home at midnight to drive all the way back, everybody's tired, you're exhausted, and somebody in the car says, never again. <laughs> right? I don't know, it could, be, it could have been any other, but I do remember that at least once, every time we would go and come back, it'd be somebody with the epiphany of, we are not doing that. <laughs> All right? Yep. So this is for this Garden. So how a condition of satisfaction works, and Nicholas knows how to do it. Him and his buddies are in the car. What we want is to enjoy this process, right? We're talking about enjoyment. We're talking about happiness, right? We're trying to figure out how to find those moments. Him and his buddies are in the car. I pull out the map. Nicholas can attest that this is absolutely the truth. I'll pull out the map. I say, okay, boys, pick your one thing. That when you leave here today, you are happy. You will go home and say, I am so glad I got to do that. Pick it. They'll look, they'll study, they'll pick the map. Nicholas inevitably will, will pick the train or something like that. And say, yeah. Jaron will pick some crazy roller coaster. And his other four buddies. Now, all of them do not have to like that thing. Nor do they have to participate. But what we are agreeing is that we got a plan. I got five kids and I got five places we're going to do before we do anything else. And at the end of those five things, if we go home, we got a happy van. All right, you get what I'm saying? So when, when we get to the Alpengeist, and Nicholas doesn't like to ride the Alpengeist, he has the patience to wait for him to ride because he knows his turn is coming. Does that make any sense? I will not change it. <laughs> he's right, he's like, I don't stand a chance on that ride. He's like, I don't like it either, but that's okay. But anyway, the point of it is your condition of satisfaction. Everybody has one. Condition of satisfaction. I want to be a bush garden. I want to ride the train. Okay? Before we leave today, if the train is off the track or is closed, you will be given the option to pick something else. We always have to have that extra little caveat. But what we've done is we've listened to each other. And I don't care if your condition of satisfaction is I want to have one kid, I want to sit in the best house and have a big pickle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what it is. The point is you have identified this will make me happy. But this happiness is temporary. It's fleeting. And then what happens when we leave at 4 o'clock in the afternoon instead of midnight? <clears throat> Mama's happy too. <laughs> because I've got kids all in the car and we'll go around. I make them at the end realize you got something. Did you, did you complete your condition of satisfaction today? I rode the train, I rode the bus, I rode the, yep, oh, the great day. <laughs> and I'm going home. And that, you know what's funny about conditions of satisfaction? It makes you focus. Because we'll get in there and retail will start, right? And I'm like, look, I showed you the map. The shop was on the map. Your condition of satisfaction is this. We've all agreed. We're done. You didn't pick shop. You didn't pick retail. I mean, but you, you understand. Am I making any sense with this condition of satisfaction? So <clears throat> there is a point where, you know, and Nicholas has been learning this mess since he was teeny weeny. That's the moment with him. This picture got blown out, but you get the idea. 
Even then, he was talking to everybody. So the, um, <laughs> you can see he's telling the conductor, but why? Why, really? Um, the, the condition of satisfaction helps you to have a voice. It's okay when somebody says, what would you like for dinner? And you say, I don't know. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to in relationships that that is their number one fight component. They're like, they don't like to go on date nights because they get an argument over what and where they're going to eat. I know that sounds ridiculous, but nobody wants to say or commit themselves to, this is what I would like to do. They don't want to express themselves that clearly because they don't, they don't want to hurt someone else or they don't want to create any chaos or whatever. But imagine on your date night, if, if you say, you know, and we were laughing because we, we all like girls, I don't know, maybe it's just me, we all like that big salad, you know, there's something ridiculous about it. And so we'll say, oh, you know, I, I would like to go to so-and-so, they have the best salad. Meanwhile, the husband on the other side may be saying, well, ha, oh, I need meat. I mean, do you see what I'm saying? You got to do the So if you express your condition, honey, what would make you happy? And it's, hey, I would like to go to here. And then he says, well, you know, how about we do that? Well, you know, and then you ask him, what will make you happy? You know, I'd like to go by the Bass Pro or Pro Bass or whatever that place is called. It. And uh, I'd like to look in such and such. Now, there's two things that have happened. One, you're each getting that thing that you've identified that could make you happy, right? And the other is, you get the contentment of knowing that you are also blessing the other person when you go along with that decision. Amen. Does that make any sense? So the mystery behind what is going to make you happy, instead of going, what's going to make you happy? That's almost confrontational. When you say, are you happy yet? Does that sound like a happy thing? No, that's a, oh, honey, I'll get you a little late and I'm ready for you now. You know, you all, and I've started an argument over the word happy. But when you look at somebody and you say, hey, what's your COS? What's your condition of satisfaction? That also gets rid of assumptions. If you use this at work and somebody says, I need that report by Monday. The perfectionist in you says, oh my God, I gotta pick the font, pick the pictures, get it on the page, gotta get it laid out, gotta write it, I gotta figure out what to do, oh my God, I'm gonna work all weekend, I stay up all night, I'll send it in on Sunday, I gotta spell check. But if you say, hey, what is your condition of satisfaction? Oh, I just need some bullet point notes, I just need to think. You just took three days of your life back, and you're confident that what you're handing him is exactly what he asked for. Instead of being mad the next day when he was like, what'd you do all this for? I just needed this. <laughs> It's a simplifying process that allows you to communicate with people on a different level. Instead of making assumptions based on what they said, ask them right out. What is it that's going to make you happy? What, and instead of saying that, you say, what's your condition of satisfaction? Hey, my COS for today is to get those Christmas boxes out of my living room. <laughs> now, notice I didn't say my condition of satisfaction was putting them on the tree. No, I just wanted them out of my living <laughs> So you have to be very specific. Any of that make any, any sense? Anybody find any? Very true in that. Okay. Satisfaction is the fulfillment of one's needs, belongings, or desires. There are 49 Bible verses that mention satisfaction. Blessed are those who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who weep now, for you shall laugh. I like that scripture because it's so simple in the fact that it's basic needs. It's both a spiritual and a physical hunger. In many cases, when you're talking about satisfy in the Bible, it is a physical hunger. Later, after Jesus, it becomes a spiritual hunger. 
all of the, the things in your life that feel unsatisfied, God is interested in and is interested in satisfying. There has to be that element, though, that says, okay, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I will endure where I'm at to get where I long to go, to reach the satisfaction of knowing I've done it in a way God would be honored. A lot of us long for satisfaction and take a shortcut. And we start cutting God out of the mix and we go with that immediate feeling of happy that's fleeting, you know, the balloons. And then we realize later, wow. So what does it take to receive real, sustaining satisfaction, happiness, and joy? Believe it or not, the first step, and now we're talking about not just that communication with each other where we're saying, honey, what's your COS? What's your condition of satisfaction for Friday night? What are we going to do? COS, i got to go to Walmart. I need some detergent. That may sound like a really ridiculous COS, but you've said it out loud. It's more in you. you got to get it done. And honey, what do you need? Well, my condition of satisfaction would be, oh, I, I would really love to go look at some of Best Buy. All right, let's go. Now you, you've given each other the opportunity to say what you need as, as out there as it may be, and hear the needs and wants of others. So that it's an unselfish act when you begin to fulfill it. But the first step when we talk to spiritual satisfaction, believe it or not, is dissatisfaction. That part of you that says, I'm not satisfied with this. I'm not satisfied with how it's going. I'm not satisfied with my prayer life. I'm not satisfied with how I'm hearing God. There's a, there's a discontent, a dissatisfaction. There's a passion that wells up inside of you that says, I I'm not satisfied with status quo. I want life more abundantly. I need more of you. I need to understand that you're there for me. I need to hear you better. That dissatisfaction. You, to be satisfied, you have to first be unsatisfied. To fill, you have to first be empty. You got to pour out. You got to say, okay, God, here I am. Help me. On that spiritual side of me that wants more of you, help me. I, I'm thirsting for you. You sustain me. It, it's not going to be reality TV. It's not Oprah. It's not Dr. Oz. It's you. Help me. <clears throat> the seeking. And to have your thirst quenched, you have to be thirsty. You have to be thirsty. There, yeah, I know this sounds ridiculous. I'm not a big water drinker, which is bad. Everybody tells me, you should drink more water. I don't know. In my mind, Diet Coke has water in it. Right? So, <laughs> which I know is wrong. I realize. But, uh, but, 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 but do you get what I'm saying? But when you get thirsty enough, a bottle of water is awesome. It may not be my first choice, but I tell you what, it, it, is, it is quenching. And it's good. And I think that's where we get when we try to get our thirst quenched. We, we go for the normal. We go for what we've always done. We go for what's easy. We go for what's closest. But the, the drink that will actually sustain you, the drink that will actually give you life, the drink that will actually wake you up in the morning and help you find that joy that will lead to happiness and hope and peace and all that stuff, that's that Holy Spirit Amen. going in you and saying, here, let me, let me, you will not thirst again. Can you imagine? That was one of the things that Jesus said. Drink and you will not thirst again. Can you imagine? I mean, every bottle of water I ever had has a bottle. But in Christ, you, you cannot exceed his ability to pour into you with your desire for him. <clears throat> you have to be thirsty. Everyone thirst comes to the waters in Isaiah. It goes on to say, yeah, those who are thirst that your thirst will be quenched and you won't be thirsty anymore. 
You know, on the, and I looked it up on Google, I was curious yesterday, how many guarantees of satisfaction there were. There was 149 billion guarantees of satisfaction on the internet. And that's, that's everything from the one that I started to bring a picture of it. It was a watch that said, simply dead alive, and whichever one you were lit up. <laughs> and, and, and I thought to myself, <clears throat> at some point, you stop looking. <laughs> but anyway, but the, the point is, you know, there is a guarantee. We, we're always looking for those, you know, I'll be happy if, I, I, will, I, will, I will feel better if. And, and we want guarantees, we want assurances. And, and I want to just encourage you that the scripture is full of those insurances. God will supply all your needs. He doesn't say, you know, as many words as are in the Bible, they had room to be real specific, okay? And that's why in the Old Testament, you know, I always laugh when I read all those names, who began, who began, who began, who began, who began. You know, there was room for that, right? The, the lineage, there was room. So that meant that, that the writers of the Bible were trying to be as detailed as possible. So if there was an omission to all, it would have been written with a comma. It would have been, our God will supply all of your needs, comma parentheses, with the exception of, blah, 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 name it. But no, it, it, is a, it is a definitive statement. God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. So we want to be happy, right? And we talked about, well, wow, happy got complicated because we didn't even realize we were happy. And then we wanted joy, and then we realized, oh my gosh, joy is complicated because that takes trial and perseverance. And then rejoice, well, you're supposed to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, no matter what the trials and circumstance. Oh, Lord, we're back to circumstance again. But again, it all ties together with, I will supply all your needs. So no matter what that circumstance is, God's got you back. No matter what it is that's trying to rob your joy and keep you from ever saying you're happy, he supplies all your needs. No matter what it is that's stealing the grace out of your life and making you afraid moment to moment, he's got it covered, all your needs. No matter what it is in yourself that makes you look at your inside, compare to others' outsides, and feel in it, he's covered it. And you need to realize that that vision from the inside out, from you looking for others, that they're doing the same things. That's why there's so much of this in the world, so much conflict. Because people aren't honest with each other. You project what you want people to see. You live the life you know you have to. You pray for God to help you. But that honesty and transparency is not always there. That's few and far between in most of our lives. But God will supply all your needs. Faith and knowledge resting on hope, which the original Greek definition of hope is confident expectation. We have polluted hope, and you guys have heard me talk about this before. Hope has become, oh, I hope so. It's kind of like a wish. You know, I hope that'll happen. You're going to be all right? I hope so. Hope doesn't mean yes. It means maybe. But that's not how it was written. So we read with our, our learned definition of maybe, and it pollutes the real definition of yes. Faith and knowledge resting on the hope, resting on the confident expectation of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised from the beginning of time. So there's not one promise in the scripture that's a lie, and there's not one place where he said hope that he didn't mean that it would happen. 
So now if I made it completely complicated, <coughs> we want to be happy, right? And then we realize happiness, uh, we need rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoicing leads to happiness. Joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, and strength and perseverance. Perseverance and joy. Yikes, i got to go through things. I'm questioning happy. Meanwhile, I'm living my life, and the reason I'm never happy is I'm never satisfied. I'm never satisfied because I never tell anybody what will make me happy. I don't even simplify the simple things. What color do you want? Oh, I don't care. <laughs> blue! I want blue! <laughs> it's not going to rock the world. It's not going to mess up the Easter basket. It's not going to mess up the Christmas present. Just pick one! Blue! You just make them happy because they think, I'm giving you what you wanted. And you receive the yellow one going, I wanted the blue one. That is, you see what I'm saying? Just pick one. But after we get through the conditions of satisfaction, and then we look at God and we say, God, you know, I, I really need to repent because some days I just don't feel satisfied. And is it because you're not God and you can't do all things and you aren't confident and you can't? No, it's me. It's the inside of me that's questioning, hey, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right things? Am I praying enough? And then having to bed, you turn on the TV and every channel's got somebody telling you how to do it better and different. And then you're reminded on a daily basis where you fall short. We all fall short, folks. I don't care how you dress it up. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care who it is. We all fall short. Does that mean that we can't get up tomorrow and start again? No. It says joy comes in the morning. Amen. When your feet hit the floor, you're a new day. The minute you say, God, forgive me, I blew it. He says, okay. And then we have to not just thank you for your forgiveness, but that repent component of, I'm going to do my best not to do that again. And then all of a sudden, some of those sneaky things that were symptoms of happiness start to creep up. We're willing to help with gladness because we're not angry or, or jealous that someone is doing better than we think we should be doing. We were able to, to impart and hand the dollar over to the lady at the grocery store who's 99 cents short. Not because, well, she should have done more to do, well, she should have planned better. No, you, something lightens up inside and you say, hey, it's okay, here, let me help you because I have been helped. And because I've been helped, I know how awesome that feels. And you know something that's really kind of, kind of weird? That in the middle of me just crying out to God and saying, I've fallen short and man, is like miserable and things really stink. And then, then he heard me, and then I felt this peace that surpasses understanding. And then there was this little spark of joy in my heart, and I found myself saying, Jesus, and all of a sudden, oh my God, I have this. I'm happy. Don't say it out loud, my heart. But that's how we treat it. It is such a treasured little package that, that if it happens, don't say anything. It's kind of like when the Redskins are winning and it's going <laughs> <laughs> In my house, if they're winning, they're ahead by three. We got 12 seconds left. I'm like this, and I'm not saying anything. I'm not counting W. I'm telling you right now, because I know what can happen in the last second. Right? That's the way we treat it. We say, oh, 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 oh. But you know what happens? What's really weird is if we can stop doing this and go, Instead of worrying about causing condemnation and something crazy to happen next and I don't want to say anything because I'm going to cause something else. No, you, you actually share that happiness. Well, it has this crazy expansion rate in your own heart. The minute you give the lady the dollar to help her at the grocery store, she's, 
relieved of being embarrassed and she says, thank you, or maybe she doesn't say anything. Who cares how she reacts? When you get in the car, you're like, woohoo. <laughs> 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 am I kidding? You know, when, when you help somebody and you see them struggling with a, with a grocery cart or something, you say, oh, let me help you, and then you put it in the thing, oh, no, help me, and you do it anyway. Something about that's invigorating. There's something about it just, that just makes your day. And it was such a simple thing. That's this whole principle. The, the joy of the Lord being your strength. I'm helping you through a trial. I am with you. I love you. I care for you. I'll supply all your needs. You can have hope in me, which is confident expectation. I'm not, I got you back. I'm not going anywhere. Hey, hey, by the way, while you're in the middle of joy, you can have some happiness. And then while you're having a little happiness, maybe there's a little peace sprinkled in there. You share it with someone else, it starts all over again. And now, you that's what it's talking about when it says if you, when you share, it says knowing the, the fulfillment of all I have for you, I think it's in Titus, it says you'll know the fulfillment of all I have for you when you share what I have with someone else. You get a thrill that I cannot even explain when there is someone that you meet who's upset and something's happening and you stop what you're doing to pay attention. There is something that invigorates the very depths of your being in that moment. You can almost feel it like you walk through into, oh man, I, I'm in the presence of the Lord right now because I'm doing something that I otherwise would never do. And I'm listening. I gotta go. The, the earthly party is going, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go right now, gotta go, gotta go. But you turn that off a second and you stop. And when you're done, if you've had an opportunity to pray with them or encourage them or help in some way, <clears throat> they leave blessed and grateful. And they may not even know who you are, but they know whose you are. Amen. And then you get to get in the car and you're still late and stuff's not done and the donuts aren't bought and the school folder's broken. All that stuff's still happening. But there's something about you that's like... And all of a sudden, look at this. You're feeling a little happy. There it is. So satisfaction exists within you and is available for each and every person. This is not some far-off destination of satisfaction which exists in the imaginary future, but a satisfaction which is very much happening right here and right now. We need to pay attention it's happening here and now. Every one of us have got a pile going on in our lives right now. There's a thousand things. 99% of them we never say out loud. God supplies all your and my needs. Amen. We are not in competition for the supply. There is enough. You do not need a BJ card. You do not need to go to Costco. There is enough. Far more than you can ask or think he will provide. So isn't that awesome to know that when you're saying, God, I just need $12, he, he, in his heart he knows, hey, 12 will make it, but 20 is coming. I've seen that time and time again in my life when I pray for what I need. And the need is fulfilled, and then God blesses on top of that. Just as a reminder, I care about your comfort. 
I care that this is hard. I care that you cry. I care that it's a struggle. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You may not in and of yourself have the joy to sustain you, but I'll give you mine. Rest assured, I got your back. We need to pay attention to our own conditions of satisfaction. Pay attention to what God is doing for us every day. Acknowledge it. Just like when the kids get in the van and it isn't, hey, we've been to Bush Gardens, we're done. <clears throat> Stop and acknowledge that that condition of satisfaction was met. Did you ride the train? Yes. Did you ride the coaster? Yes. Did you eat the pickle? Yes. <laughs> Did everybody have a good day? Yes. Their conditions of satisfaction were met, and more importantly, we noticed. We noticed. My prayer for you is that you experience joy because I think we need joy a lot. With the trials that come in life, it says that joy is sustaining. His joy. Trials and joy go together. It's kind of odd when you have that conversation when you say it out loud, but I'm so glad that they do. And we have the option to choose happiness. Choose happiness. Just complicated enough to make sense? Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we, we are grateful that you care for us so much. <clears throat> God, I'm grateful that you supply all of our needs and that, Lord, you know what each of our needs are. I thank you, God, that, that it isn't a, a message where, where you have said to us, hey, come stand up and you need to uh, pick up the microphone and tell the whole world what you need. No, you are the listening ear. You are the caring father. You love us so much. You want an intimate relationship. You want us, God, just to speak from our mouth to your ear. So, God, today, right where we sit, the things that are heavy on our hearts, we're going to lift to you. We're asking you, Father, please help us. Restore our joy. Renew our strength. Give us the wisdom to be happy. And God, please give us your grace and mercy each and every day. Help us, God, to realize that in that condition of satisfaction that comes with faith, God, you are, you are there. You know, there's an old saying that says, you know, I, I, I felt like God wasn't close to me. And then the guy responded, who moved? God, I know you are constant. You are dependable. So, Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name you give us all the wisdom to just hold on to you, to listen, to follow your direction, and acknowledge it, God, when you strengthen and help us. Lord, if there is anyone here today that says, you know, I, there are things that I've done, stuff that has happened, I feel so far removed. I pray, God, right now, right where they are, Lord Jesus, that they would just, in their hearts, just say, God, please forgive me. Lord Jesus, please help me. And thank you, God, that you love me too. God, I thank you that salvation is for all of us. And that your abundance, God, is what you long to provide. So God, I just ask in Jesus' name, you be with us today, be with us this week. Help us, Lord God, to move with a happier disposition into the week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.